Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. So it's my pleasure to welcome back Ron Moore to the podcast. Welcome back, Ron. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. So for those of you that are not familiar with Ron Moore, you founded the RM Group and you're an author of many great books, What Tool When, Making Common Sense, Common Practice, and many more. Thank you for joining us today, Ron. Yeah, like I said, my pleasure. Happy to share what I think I might know. <laughs> well, that's that's all we can hope for, right? Is building off our experiences, learning from your experience, and that's what we want to do today. Now, how long have you been involved in helping organizations improve operational performance? Well, the RM Group's been around since uh, 1993. Uh, that's when I left as president of CSI. We we made predictive maintenance tools, and our customers included, you know, Fortune 500 manufacturers mostly. And right. so uh, you might say I was involved in operational performance when I was president of that company. So, uh, so a long time, I guess, is the short answer. Thirty right. or more years. Of course, I'm All older right. than that, so maybe I wasn't involved in operating performance when I was a projects guy. <laughs> I dumped it in their lap and let them worry about it. <laughs> but it's fair to say over that time, you've been exposed to something called OEE, correct? Oh, yeah. Lots of times. So what is OEE? Well, OEE literally stands for Overall Equipment Effectiveness. And it's, it's literally equal to availability times rate times quality. And it was a process developed by Nakajima, Seichi Nakajima, uh, who wrote the book TPM, Total Productive Maintenance. Uh, by the way, he later said he should have been called Total Productive Manufacturing because it's about maintaining the production process in the plant, not just the equipment. And, and I really think partly because of that, because it says overall equipment effectiveness. Uh, a lot of people tend to focus on equipment more so than the production process. And I guess one, one thing I'd like to kind of insert in here is that I would like people to stop thinking about reliability as equipment oriented. Certainly equipment is part of it, but my view of reliability, particularly in a production plant, is that it is the, the ability of a production system to produce maximum quality product on time, in full, at the lowest sustainable cost. And, th and that takes more of a business perspective. And then if you think about that very long, then you get into issues around raw material supply and quality uh, issues around product changeovers, short stops, uh, you know, all the other losses that people tend to accept as just that acceptable when maybe it's not because what i found is that there's a lot more production capacity 
hiding over in production than there is just getting the equipment to work well. And not okay. only that, if the operators don't run the equipment properly, then you're going to have more equipment failure. So production plays an incredibly uh, dominant, I think I would say, role in assuring a high level of operational performance. So, you know, Ron, I agree 100% with you. And wasn't that the original intention of OEE was to identify all the losses, whether it's equipment related, operational related, raw material related? Yeah, well, think about it. Availability times rate times quality. Now, originally, uh, Nakajima focused on uh, planned production time. So it, it was quite often that, you know, he would miss or didn't encourage the inclusion of, I guess you might say, uh, things like planned maintenance downtime, planned transitions or changeovers, poor supply from upstream, you know, blocked downstream, no demand kinds of issues. So, and in my view is you should count those and you should manage those as opposed to just the planned production time. And certainly understand his focus on that because that's that's you know of primary importance when you're in a production plant. But I guess the thing that I would encourage people to do is to think about OEE as it's both tactical, that is it allows you to identify and minimize day-to-day losses, week-to-week and so on. But it's also strategic in the sense that it identifies potential capacity for future expansion and, and additional market share that you might not otherwise uh, be aware of. So just for example, if, if I'm in a plant and, you know, let's suppose I'm the, 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 the president, okay? And, and one of the site managers comes to me and says, Ron, uh, we need another $10 million to expand capacity on this plant because market demand is, uh, is really good and anticipated to be that way for some time. And I say, okay, well, that's, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what's, what's your current OEE? And he says, well, it's, it's about 60%. And I say, well, what's for an operation of this nature and this product mix and so on, what's, what's a really good number? And he says, well, it's about 80%. Well, it'd be a career limiting moment for him or her, as the case may be, uh, because you've got another 20% in there. Go get that first and then come back to me. Yep. And if I can help you get that, you know, I'm happy to do that. You know, if you need half a million, million bucks to get that, uh, that 20%, you know, we can talk about that. But I'm not giving you 10 million. Go away and come back with a better plan, yep. buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't just throw more equipment at it because guess what? We'll be running that equipment just as poorly as we are running the existing equipment. Right. And, and you also got all the spares and the maintenance and the training. And, you know, I mean, the list is long of the of the additional costs that go with additional equipment. So I want to optimize what I have before I get more. So, so it's both it, tactical and strategic. All right. Now, is that why so many organizations use OE? Because it provides that tactical and strategic insight? Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> I would hope, but sometimes I, you know, and maybe I'm being overly critical, but, you know, too often uh, the OEE is used as a club, you know, by the, the corporate office to beat the guys at the plant for doing such a crappy job. 
and, and, and other times it's used by the plants to try to look good as opposed to be good. And just one, one little example, not, not too long ago, I was in an operation and, you know, we were going through some benchmark data, so-called, and having a site review and just a discussion. I said, well, what's your OEE? And one of the production managers pipes up, he's real proud of it, he says 105%. <laughs> and I said, well, that's just bull crap. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and and in truth, just from a walkabout and from a discussion and, you know, a bunch of other factors, I concluded they're probably around 60, 70%. And I didn't know what the number was, but they sure weren't at 105. And yep. I think what they were doing is using data from the origin of the plant. You know, when they first put it in before they de-bottlenecked and upgraded and so on and so forth, you know, and, you know, maybe the rate then was 100, but now they were capable of 150. And so they were running 105%. Yay. Wow. Nah. Oh, bull crap. Come on, guys. You know, so anyways, that's, you, you know, you tend to see that from time to time where you want to look good as opposed to be good. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Does every organization follow the true definition of availability times rate times quality? Because I've seen some organizations that include, you know, utilization in there. I've seen some that have rules around what qualifies as downtime, all kinds of little nuances, if you will. Yeah, it, it's really a mixed bag. Uh, and, and there are all kinds of variables that come into play when you're trying to act accurately measure OEE and, and a lot of folks just get frustrated and give up and they say, well, we're going to look at downtime and rate and not worry about anything else. And so they miss a lot. So my question to most of these organizations is, is straightforward. Uh, if you could run your process 8,760 hours a year, that's all there are most years, leap year, you get another 24, you know, uh, making 100% first pass, first quality product, you know, no recycle, no rework, you know, no scrap, nothing. At 100% of your maximum demonstrated sustainable rate with no losses for changeovers, product changeovers, process changeovers, D rates, whatever it may be. Uh, and it, with maximum yield, you know, if you're a batch or discrete type operation, you know, how much could you make? You know, in other words, if, if you are living in Nirvana and the sun is always <laughs> shining and there's never, ever any problems, you know, all the time, right? Which I know is impossible, but I, I want to ask that question. How much could you make? And, you know, sometimes people say, well, we got a lot of different products. I say, okay, pick a standard product mix or a typical product mix and run the numbers. You know, don't give me excuses. You know, I want to know where we are. Anyways, yep. if you could do that, how much could you make? Well, that's a number. You know, that's mission impossible. <laughs> but I want to know that for starters, how much are you making? Well, that's the reality of, of your production process. And then next question is, well, where are your losses? You know, what's driving all those losses? And the last question is the most important one, you know, are those losses acceptable to the business? So, and a lot of them will be. I mean, you've got to have some unplanned down, 
time. You know, you're going to have, whether you like it or not, down around 1%, maybe 2 is is really good. Uh, or maybe, um, you know, maybe you have, you got to have planned downtime. You got to do product changeovers. You, you've got to do all these things. The question is, are you effectively managing those things such that you optimize the system? Yep. And if you're not measuring them, well, you can't manage it. And if you're focused on downtime, unplanned downtime, then you will work really hard to stop that. But you're not really in control of it because most of those unplanned events are driven by upstream factors like poor design, poor operating practices. Yeah, some of them are maintenance, but most of them are not controlled by maintenance. So measure all those losses and then begin to manage them. All right. So we want to measure all those losses. We want to manage them, you know, understand what we're, what is acceptable to the business, where we can drive those improvements. And is that how OEE should be used within organizations as opposed to that club approach? Well, I think so. You know, it it shouldn't be used as a club because if you use it as a club, people are going to hide. You know, it's like uh, maintenance schedule compliance. If you use it as a club, people will show 90% because they don't schedule much maintenance. And then they hide 30% of it over in the corner somewhere with people who aren't on the schedule. Uh, and they do all reactive. Well, that's just, well, it's just nonsense. But, you know, you want to look good, you want to be good. So don't use it as a club. Yeah. Use it as a tool to manage the losses. And and it's, you know, any particular number is not as important as whether or not you're managing the losses. Just, I'll give you one uh, example. I was at a, doing a workshop for the VP of manufacturing for a medium-sized company. They had seven plants and we had all the site managers and production managers there. And I took them through a day of, you know, material. And uh, towards the end of the day, the, the VP gets up and says, all right, y'all plant managers. In two years, I want you all at 85% OEE. Well, <laughs> And so, you know, he pulled out his club and said, I'm going to beat you with this if you don't achieve it. In effect, you know, I mean, he was a nice guy and he, you know, he, he was really easy to talk to. So he wasn't a tyrant, but he wanted to set an expectation. Yep. And I pulled him aside and I said, Jeff, you just screwed up, buddy. He said, what do you mean? You said 85% was world-class. I want to be world-class, you know, as they do. I mean, guys at that level generally don't want to be yep. poor performers. <laughs> You know, and so I said, well, look, you know, let's pick a name. You know, Bob over here, he runs the uh, upstream plant that supplies the other six, right? He run, he's got a continuous process and very few changeovers in material and so on. Shoot, he probably ought to be up around 92%, maybe better, maybe not quite that much, but in that range, you know, and the other guys, yep. I mean, one of your plants, they've got two or 300 different SKUs. And, and some of them have a shelf life. So, you know, they're never going to get to 85% because, just because of the nature of the process. Yep. So the real question here is, are they managing the losses? And based on any number of factors, you know, are those losses acceptable to the business and how are you going to manage those? And generally what I've found is uh, in discrete plants in particular, and sometimes even in process plants, Product changeovers 
or raw material changeovers or transition losses, it make up a huge portion of the losses. And that's particularly true for discrete plants. And then sometimes you, for example, they don't count five minute short stops. You know, it has to be 15 minutes. Well, if you have, now, so what are people gonna do? You know, they're gonna make sure the stop doesn't last more than 10 yep. minutes if you got a 15 minute window that you've got, you can operate in without reporting it. So are you gonna yep. game the system or are you gonna, you know, really try to, identify where the losses are occurring and then manage those. You know, and, and a lot of them will be certainly be acceptable. So if you go at it from that perspective, then you begin to use it as a tool to manage the losses as opposed to a club to beat people into submission or have them game the system. So it should be used so in a positive of, sense. Absolutely. Now you mentioned gaming the system. How do people game that system and what do we do to prevent it? Well, you, I think you start by measuring all losses. <laughs> if you and identifying, you know, what they might be and how well you're doing with that first question. You know, if you could run your plan 8,760 hours a year, start by answering that question and put the put together a system that helps you identify those losses. Okay, and you know, once you do that, and once you begin to account for them then, you know, it's hard to hide. Now, if you don't do that, and if you focus on downtime, which is pretty common, then you're going to ignore the rest of it. And I just don't think that's particularly, uh, well, it's, it's useful in the sense of you do give it some energy to it, and you do improve it, but it's, it's missing, you know, you're swatting at the flies as the elephant stomped through, you know, that old uh, saying. So, you know, and the other thing, you know, if you're first setting up a system to measure OEE, you really, you know, you're probably going to need a category that says, uh, I don't know, other or miscellaneous, you know, <laughs> something, you know, because you, you probably won't know where some of that went, but you want to know. And so you put it in that bucket and then you begin to understand what happened there. And another thing, got this from my friend David Brown, who actually implements OEE for companies. Uh, he says you might want a category that's called unaccounted. You just don't know, but you know you lost it. And the point of that being you don't want to make operators input something of which they know not. So if it's unaccounted yeah, it for gives them, them that bucket so we don't skew the rest of the data. Right. Yeah. So. Anyways, over time, you'll get better and better. Now, you know, a, a couple of points on this, you know, maximum demonstrated sustainable rate. What is that? Well, it depends on your judgment. You know, some folks I know have selected the best three days. Uh, some folks, maybe the, the 95th percentile of the historic data, uh, you know, it might be the, the shortest runtime for a given batch. You know, you're going to pick something that's challenging, not something that you created 20 years ago and you've since done a lot of work to deball and they can improve the rates. You know, make it a real challenge and then use your judgment about that as to does that make sense? Now, the other thing you do as you improve, you know, that rate through various means, uh, you're going to change it and your OEE will sometimes drop and that's okay if you're managing the losses. So that's, um, 
that's a, a nickel's worth of that. Uh, another question that comes yeah. up is, where do we measure it? Well, you measure it at the design bottleneck, at the constraint of the system. But you also account for, you know, the fact that you can't send product downstream from that bottleneck or you're not receiving supply up from upstream into that bottleneck. But, you know, if everything's running perfectly, that will be your constraint. So now your constraint might vary day to day, depending on, you know, the situation in the plant, but you want to measure your, your OE at the bottleneck. And then another question that comes up is, you know, we, we've got a complex plant. You know, we're part batch, part discrete, and so on. Well, and we've got 10 different products. And so I've got four production lines and all that. So, well, you simplify that for each of those lines by measuring it at the constraint. And that constraint may vary from line one to line two to line three to line four. But you want to simplify it into a single stream and then measure at the constraint for that single stream. And you can create for even in a complex plant for a given product or process, you can create a single stream and identify its constraint. Now that gets a little more complicated for you, but that's the proper way to do it. And I think, you know, if you're just starting out or you've you got a screwy system, I would start small, pilot, and then expand. So that's just a couple other comments there. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. This SMRP accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. Yeah, I agree. You want to find the, you know, I've always been taught the bottom of the V curve on that line. You want to be pushing product into that bottleneck, pulling it away as fast as possible. You measure at the bottom of that V. In my experience with filling lines, it's the filler is where the bottleneck usually is in a design perspective. So you measure it there and then you scale up from lines to other areas to aggregate across the plant and so on and so forth. It's like you said. So um, now the one thing I see with a lot of our, a lot of organizations is maintenance gets dumped on for poor OEE. So how can our maintenance listeners leverage OEE to either improve the maintenance practices, help operations identify some of their bottlenecks or their constraints and so on and so forth? How can maintenance really leverage OEE? Well, if they actually measure it, <laughs> it would help. You know, measure it accurately. Measure it based on, you know, that question I asked earlier, because if you start measuring, uh, you know, the rate losses, the product transition losses, product changeovers, short stops, you know, if you start measuring all that, what, what I've typically found, if you actually go look, is that, and, and let's say we've got an, an OEE of, let's say, 70%. So we got 30% losses based on measuring, you know, all the losses. What you typically find is that two-thirds of those losses have nothing to do with the equipment. And that's particularly true in discrete plants. They have to do with product changeovers, with D rates, with raw material issues, with production planning, with no demand, with you know, just a raft of, of issues. 
And then, so that leaves about one third or 10% that is equipment related. And what you very often find is that two thirds of those losses are because of poor operating practice, or in some cases, design. It's just, it's just difficult to operate or it's difficult to maintain. And so maintenance really only controls about 10% in a typical plant. Now that's not always true, but in a typical plant, maintenance only controls about 10% of those losses. So if you're, if you got 30% losses, maintenance actually controls about 3% and the rest of it is, you know, somewhere else. So now occasionally that you- might go up to, you know, something, you know, higher than that, but that's really quite common. So I've, I've, I don't recall ever seeing maintenance control more than about 30% of the losses. So that would be maybe so 10% instead of three. So, so with that insight, why is maintenance blamed for all of the downtime then? Well, it's just highly visible. You know, the equipment's down, maintenance is working on it. Ergo, <laughs> right? It must be a maintenance problem. And it is a maintenance problem at the moment, but they didn't, very often they didn't create it. You know, they're just there, there to respond to it. It's, it's kind of like the guy who, who uh, runs his car into the ground, right? Yep. He, you know, drives it like a rental car and never changes the oil. Well, it broke. Okay. So the mechanic at the garage is working on it, but he didn't break it. And yep. you, you get a lot of the same you know, same sort of thing in, in operating plants. Now, that doesn't mean that operators are bad people. They're good people. They want to do a good job. They're like most folks. They come in to do a good job. But if if the equipment is difficult to operate or if they're getting pressure from production manager to, you know, make a quota or meet a schedule and they know they have to run it beyond its inherent capability, then, you know, they're going to do that. You know, they're not bad people. They're responding to the environment around them and the standards that, that have been set for them. So it, it's really a question of um, understanding that and addressing that. Yeah, absolutely. They may not have been trained properly. Right. Equipment may not have been, like you said, easy to operate. There's lots of variables that go into that. Yeah. Now, can organizations use OEE to determine the ROI on a maintenance or a training or operational improvement activity? Have you seen that done? Yeah, it, well, it's, it's a pro forma type thing. You know, you're, you're forecasting the improvements and you're making a lot of different assumptions about those improvements. So, you know, just, just for instance, let's go back to the, one of the original comments. You're going from 60 to 80%, right? What's that worth? Well, if you can sell it, it's worth whatever the gross profit is on the additional 20%. And I use gross profit, by the way, not net profit. Now, if you're doing ROI or return on capital uh, for a business, you have to go back and do the proper accounting thing. But the way I think about it is in terms of gross profit, because that gross profit is the money you have to pay for marketing, for R&D, for distribution systems, and so on. That, that's your future. And you've got money to invest in that if you have a higher gross profit. The net profit will come out of that, you know, after you pay for all that, plus your taxes and all that sort of thing, depreciation, net profit will come out of that. But I think in terms of gross profit, 
and then managers are going to decide how to allocate that gross profit for the success of the business. Anyways, so whatever that gross profit is on that extra 20%, uh, presuming you can sell it, you know, then that's what it is. Now, let's presume you can't sell it. Well, okay. Let's suppose you're running a, you know, seven-day, three-shift operation, you know, 24-7. Well, well, let's back up. Let's suppose you're running a six-day, three-shift operation because you can't sell that, right? Well, yep. you improved from 60 to 80%. That means you can, you don't have to run for one day or maybe a day and a half, whatever that ratio is. So you're saving on the, you know, the operating costs associated with that extra day, or now you've got additional resources to put in place improvement projects, but that shouldn't be allocated against the unit cost of production. That's, you know, in a, that goes in another bucket that you're investing, you know, in your future. Yep. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, strategically, that's one of the things you can do. Uh, now, so it could be a huge number. You're sold out. It's the gross profit on that extra 20%, or it could be a much smaller number. That is, you only, you're not working that extra day. Well, you know, what, what costs are going to be allocated against that? And that's your ROI for that improvement. And you could you can narrow it even further. You know, if you could reduce the unplanned downtime from five to two percent, what's that three percent worth to you in terms of maintenance costs or in terms of added production, you know, to the business? And and one thing that doesn't ordinarily get accounted for in the ROI is safety. Because I've got quite a bit of data that says as OEE improves, injuries decline. And I've got from from food, from refining, from steel, from chemicals, from paper. You know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If, if the plant is running uh, relatively stably, right, it's quite stable, you have high performance, then you've got less interruptions, less intervening, less reactive, unplanned activities, less risk of injury. And you also have better environmental performance. So there are other somewhat intangible factors that come into play on your return. So not only you get a return on capital or return on your investment, you also get a safer and more environmentally friendly operation. And you use less energy. You know, if you're into the green, uh, green thing issues, you use less energy. So it's a, you know, you, it's a win all the way around. All right. Excellent. Now, when there's all this going on, we have OEE, we're trying to calculate return on investment, trying to measure it correctly, understand our losses, do all this stuff. Um, if we're somewhere that hasn't done this yet, where do we start? Well, start small. <laughs> Pick a line that, that you're going to implement it on. And, and I would probably, you know, uh, bring in some external uh, resource, you know, somebody maybe... Uh, ex it could be external as in from the corporate office because yep. some folks provide that service. The bigger companies provide that service. Uh, but bring in some external resource to help you set it up. And, of course, there are other folks out there who actually s supply and implement, you know, systems to do that. Uh, you know, David Brown is one, MX Strategies, and uh, Bob Hansen is another. He wrote the book. Uh, overall equipment effect effectiveness, which is a really good book if you really want to get into some of the details that we've not covered today. 
Um, and, you know, anyways, Bob Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, overall equipment effectiveness. And Eridicio, I don't know, you guys may get into it as well. Yeah, uh, Darren covers it in his book as well, um, okay. centered on excellence. And we talk, we spend a lot of time with our clients working on it as well, yep. mainly trying to set up the loss categories and then also change the perception that it is not always a maintenance thing. Right. Yeah. It, in fact, if you look at all the losses, it's rarely a maintenance thing. I've yep. never seen it, actually. <laughs> I've seen it in a couple of really bad performing plants where you know, maintenance was up there with some of the other losses, but yeah. we were able to quickly turn that around. And then it became very apparent that the rest of the losses were not maintenance related. Poor management of changeovers, bad raw materials, bad setup or operating right. procedures, those types of things. But yeah. well, I say I've not seen it, just to be more accurate, what the, the worst case I've seen in terms of allocating the losses is that one third uh, had nothing to do with the equipment. One third was because of poor operating practice and one third was because of poor maintenance practice. So that's that 30% that they do control that I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, but it's typically more like 10% of the losses are controlled by maintenance. So what, one other thing I, I don't know, I, I don't think I mentioned, um, who puts the data in? Well, I think the operator should put the data in uh, with the coaching of, his, of the supervisor of the operators for a given uh, production line. Uh, and the reason for that is you want the data to be um, uh, current, immediate, right? So you don't lose track. And at the end of the week, you go, oh, crap, we didn't do this yet. But yep. What do you think? And you just guess and you throw numbers, you know, you throw mud against the wall and hope something sticks. And so operators ought to input the data uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you, you get current data. And secondly, uh, you get a sense of ownership amongst the operators because they they feel a sense of purpose particularly when you start to listen to them and talk to them about well why did that happen what do you think we ought to do about that so you can use it as a tool to engage the operators give them a sense of purpose and ownership and you'll get more accurate data if it's done properly and again it can't be a club you know it has yep. to be a tool to facilitate their improvement of the asset okay or the production line so yep absolutely and some of the best organizations i've seen use systems you know an example is informants and the operators are inputting those losses at their operator stations as they occur in real time yeah and if they don't know like you said they have that unaccounted for category we don't know what caused this loss well but at least we're putting it in and not forcing them to inflate another bucket yeah yeah now, Ron, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today about OEE, provide some of your insights to it. Where can people find out more about you? What events, activities are you participating in at the moment? I know there's not a huge amount, but are there webinars, <laughs> things like that you guys are doing? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I use uh, stealth marketing for my business. You know, I, I don't have a website. I don't do snap crap or LinkedIn or Facebook. I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, but occasionally I'll show up at IMC or do a podcast with you or, or uh, I'm doing currently doing a podcast with Mobius uh, and Doug Plucknett. And I don't know that you may be a competitor to them, but 
you know, I, I try, I try to support everybody. I don't have any particular, uh, uh, my allegiance is to the folks trying to do a better job out there and I'll help anybody that's helping them. So yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I can I can give you my phone number if somebody wants to talk, <laughs> or my email if you want to send me one. <laughs> but you know, you you can throw that about, you know. Uh, but I, like you said, I have written uh, you know several books, making common sense, common practice, you know, models for operational excellence. It's nine. It's fifth edition. It's been around for over twenty years. So I'm I never thought there'd be a second edition let alone a fifth. <laughs> so. well, it is a great book. I, I think it gives perspective in a way that is not super deep in the details of maintenance people that everyone can understand of what we're trying to do by driving operational performance, improving yeah. performance of our assets, that type of thing. Yeah. I, I think it's really good that way. Yeah. So anyways, uh, and you know, as I learn, I add to it or modify it a bit, you know? So and of course, with five editions, I guess I've been learning a lot over over time, you know, over the past 20 years, which is a good thing. Another one is what tool when, you know, a, a management guide for selecting the right tools. And really, you know, any tool will work if you have good leadership and good alignment, you know, good culture, good teamwork, all that sort of thing. And if you don't have that, kind of doesn't matter what tool you pick, it's going to flounder. So it, it really starts with, and, and starts with doing the basics so that you have the organizational readiness, the organizational enablers in place. And you solve a lot of problems with things like standard work, 5Ys, 5S. You solve a yep. truckload of problems when you use the basic tools and have good leadership and good alignment. And then there's, uh, I don't know, two or three others, uh, a common sense approach to defect elimination, uh, there's business fables and foibles. That's 35 short stories on the screw-ups I've seen companies make. And it's, I wrote that one as a fun book. It's a beach read. You know. <laughs> another one is, where do we start our improvement program? Well, just start. <laughs> so, And uh, anyways, there's several out there. And uh, I wrote a personal book. It's a more of a memoir about my wife had a liver transplant, uh, 11 coming up on 12 years ago now. So I wrote a book about that and what we went through. And really I wrote that to share with others so that they would you know, have a better chance of avoiding the errors made when we went through that process with her. And, and um, it, it was really, she survived it. I mean, she's doing well now, but it was really quite a harrowing experience. So uh, anyways, our transplant journey a caregiver story. So um, that's, well, the books are out there. Go to Amazon or mro-zone.com and you'll find them. And if you want to talk to me, you can give me a call. All right. I will put links to all of those books in the show notes. I'll make sure your email is there so they can give you a, drop you an email. They want to chat with you. And we'll put put links to some of the other past episodes that you've done with us as well. Some of the ones with uh, Doug Plunk net and mobius i'm like you the more information we can get out there the better so i've had both doug and jason from mobius on the podcast i welcome everyone that wants to share so yeah well uh you know just a, a philosophical comment here when i was president of csi my 
I didn't really worry too much about as much about competition as I did about us making sure we did a great job for our customers and and talking about the importance and why it was important to have condition monitoring in their plants and and how you apply that because I figured if people bought into those concepts there would be a bigger market and yep. we would get our share <laughs> so it was less about beating the competition and more about, you know, making sure people understood the benefit and making sure we had the right, you know, the best instrument and software out there. And if you do that, you know, everything works out. If you don't do it, eh, yep. sometimes not so much. So, Yep. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for taking the time today. I truly appreciate the insights you provided on OE and hopefully our listeners will take away some learnings from it. Well, I hope so, too. And we may have missed a thing or two, you know. Uh, Bob Hansen's book will probably cover it better than I did. So, <laughs> you know, encourage people to go, uh, you know, go read those, you know. So, anyways. All right. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.